everyone. Thanks for coming back to another episode of our Weld.com podcast. Today, I have with me Sean Bassett. He is from Mount Dora, Florida. He is with his fiance, Jamie, and they own Attacking the Clock Racing. Hi, Sean. Thanks for coming on. Hey, how are you? Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming on board. We're excited to have you guys as um, guest hosts on Weld.com, and I wanted to introduce you to all of the Weld.com audience so they can get to know you. So why don't you go ahead and get started and explain to us like how you started in the welding industry or how your career got started, like from the point of you know being out of high school or what you thought you would do versus where you are now. Yeah, so I can actually remember my first welding project, um, and it was in high school. I've actually, you know, just basically through experience, but I've never been, you know, professionally trained. It's just, you know, school of hard knocks and making a bunch of not good projects. And, you know, over the years, I think I've probably been welding for of something for probably, you know, 15-ish years. And, um, you know, over time, it's just progressed. But, yeah, I remember the first thing I made, I had like a 92 Civic. And I had some aftermarket, you know, racing seats, specifically, remember, they were memo seats. And uh, I wanted to make a bracket to put the seat in there. And I was like, this is going to be my welding project. And of course, thinking on it now, like probably a a race car seat in my track car was probably not the first thing I should have welded. But that being said, it never broke. But yeah, I remember it was just a, you know, a cheap little Lincoln welder and it was a uh, flux core. So I didn't have any gas. And, but yeah, that was my very first project. And I think I, looking back, I did okay on it. And then that was kind of enough for me to like, want to do more and make you know, more stuff and, you know, tired of paying, you know, money for things that I could make myself. So that was kind of my first welding experience. So did you end up Right out of high school, like, what was your first job that you had? Well, I had always been into two-wheeled racing, um, and then also simultaneously, I've always been kind of into, like, modifying cars. So I was always around something that either was breaking or something like that, and I was paying, like, other shops to fix it and stuff. Um, but, like, my work kind of revolved around working at, like, motorcycle shops and, and things like that. And you know, welding was something that was always there, but it was never something that like I I did. You know what I mean? It was something mm-hmm. that I would just assumed you had to take to a shop to to do. So how did you end up coming with the idea for attacking the clock racing? So yeah, fast forward like a bunch of years and you know, I had over that span I had um built, you know, like a couple of rock crawlers, a pre runner truck, uh, you know, some other race car stuff and race, you know, like built motorcycle frames and stuff like that over the years and um kind of like how the you know the business was kind of not a business at first it was like a platform brand to promote uh our pike's peak car that i built i built like a you know over you know 10 years of you know welding and you know like honing in my personal skills i really wanted to challenge myself and build a tube chassis race car to race pike's peak with and Pikes Peak standards for safety and and that kind of stuff are very, very high. So for me, I couldn't just like slap together like a tube chassis and, you know, go race it and expect to, you know, pass tech. So, you know, 
probably took me three or four years to actually fully weld my the chassis just to make sure like my welding skills were there and that you know all the you know requirements and all those things were met but i had basically needed a way to brand you know my racing program and it was you know tacking the clock racing you know and i basically finished the car and it wasn't a business it was just kind of the brand for you know our, our race team and then kind of you know i was working in the uh, music industry and um kind of like when covid was happening and stuff like that you know i, I was running someone's business um doing really well at it but I, I had been a business owner before and i was always kind of torn you know building someone else's empire versus building my own and so then you know with COVID happening, you know, music industry kind of really slowed down. Uh, thought it was just a really good opportunity to kind of go, you know, jump both feet first and, you know, really give the, our race shop a go. So you don't only build these, you actually race them as well, right? Yeah, I do. It's kind of passion turned into business. Like a lot of probably most people listening right now that are business owners, you know, something that was fun you know, next thing you know, you've got friends asking you to do things. We didn't actually like start our race shop. We actually had a building where we were building our race cars and it was for our personal use only, just, you know, a fab shop and be able to keep up with the cars and maintain them. Um, and then enough of my friends were like, I've had such bad experiences with, you know, other shops and not many shops can do everything like we do. And um, kind of like got forced into like taking on a couple of jobs for some friends, you know, doing some roll cage work or some, you know, aerodynamics or whatever it is. And then uh, it turned into, well, now we're booking people. And then now we have a shop that builds race cars, apparently. Right. So what is your best finish or your the best race that you've had? Um, well, Pike's Peak. Uh, Pike's Peak is one of those races that if you finish, you've won, you know, for yourself. Um, it's uh, America's second oldest race. They're doing the 100th anniversary this year, so the 100th race. Um, but it's such a brutal experience on the car and the driver that just finishing alone is is a huge accomplishment. So we've uh, raced the 98th and the 99th running of Pikes Peak International Hill Climb, and we finished both races, both with good times. It's time trial so you're kind of racing yourself unless you're like a class winner or something like that but in our class i think we did pretty well uh, for our first you know two years and do you have like a favorite like is that your favorite place to race or like where's your favorite place to go well uh i think most people would probably say yes pike's peak is probably you have to be your favorite place to race um because it's invite only so you just can't go do it and you do not have that kind of scenery anywhere else on a quote unquote racetrack. Um, you know, you're seeing like, you know, you're at 14,000 feet. So you are like up there with airplanes. I mean, it's not unheard to see like a, you know, a, you know, a, a huge airplane, you know, landing in near an airport and you're kind of on the same like plane as they are. And then just like the epic scenery of, you know, you know, that you have out there in uh, Colorado Springs. But, um, I, I would say as far as a, a tried and true racetrack, I really like Road Atlanta. I've done a lot of two-wheeled racing there. So for me, um, it's kind of a little bit of home and, a, you know, my little home track, which is the firm, small little track, but I, I love that place. But I would say where we actually go to race, probably Road Atlanta. 
So I see the cars that you drove in the two races for the 98th and the 99th. Is it usually like a secret, like which one you're going to race for like the next one? Or do you let that like be known? Like, are you going to use the same car that you've used? Yeah. So those are actually the same cars. We just completely changed. Yeah. So we've just completely changed the look for each race because it's such a special race that you kind of want to have a fresh look each year. Um, but yeah, it's a, what's left of a 1972 Datsun 240Z full tube chassis car, um, all carbon fiber body, uh, LS powered turbo. It's, it's quite a monster to drive. I mean, it's a pretty intimidating car. I mean, it makes about 850 horsepower and, um, it's, yeah, it's a rowdy piece of equipment that you got to go, uh, 156 turns up a mountain and can't mess up on any one of them. Yeah, it sounds like it's intense. So for me to know this, because I I love watching it and stuff like that. So whenever you're, since you're actually the driver and you're on like some kind of dangerous, like kind of thing like that, and there's all those hills, how often are you even able to like use turbo? You know what I mean? Like to go like fast, like you would have to have that time like, precisely so that you're not like wrecking into other people or like going off the hill yeah i mean there's a uh, few like google search you know pike c Kilcon. there's a lot of gnarly stuff out there but uh it's it's a it's crazy as it sounds it's, it's actually a really safe race because of how much safety is required to even race in that event um the, no one has a higher level of you know safety um requirements but yeah, as far as like focusing on it, uh, it's it's such a weird experience because if you when you drive in like a normal car, because this is a you know quote unquote highway, right? You can go up to the top of the mountain and you can see the summit just like a regular person. But you know, uh, one time a year they shut it down for us lunatics to go you know race this thing. But um, I think you're just so hyper focused about not dying <laughs> and just like doing your job, staying on the track, hitting your marks that you're not so much worried about it until it's all over and you make it to the summit, hopefully. And then when you come back down, because there's only one way up and one way down. So when everybody finishes for the day and we all race to the top and hopefully everyone makes it to the top on that parade lap down where there's like 30,000 people on the mountain that you get to high five on the way down, which is a really cool experience. But the, you until you come down slow and realize what you've just done, that's when it settles in. They're like, this is super sketchy. You know what I mean? Like it's a, a super dangerous event. So yeah, you kind of don't really think about it on the way up. It sounds like it's like an intense experience. I can imagine like the adrenaline that you must have, like whenever you're done. Oh yeah. You're like mentally, physically just drained. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, about 11 miles, 156 turns. A lot of the turns look like just like other turns, except for they turn the opposite direction or they there's two turns after it. Or you really have to be focused and memorize and, you know, remember where you're at at all times. And, you know, you, if, you know, a lot of people say like, well, how much shifting do you do? I mean, if you think there's 156 turns, you're probably downshifting two to three times a turn and then you're upshifting two to three times a turn, sometimes four. So, I mean, you're doing hundreds of shifts that you have to hit perfectly 
you know, over the course of, you know, 11 minutes. Hi, everyone. If you go to store.lincolnelectric.com, you can use our promo codes weld.com10, which is 10% off of equipment, and weld.com20, which is 20% off gear and accessories. These are valid through the end of the year. And weld.com is spelled out W-E-L-D-D-O-T-C-O-M. And then you just put 10 or 20 afterwards. And there's a section on their online store site where you can go to new products and promotions. And right now they actually have the Aspect 230 DC welder on sale for $3,721.54. So go save an extra 10%. So let's talk about the um, services that you do offer, like as like a race shop. So do you, I know that you don't only work on just race cars, right? You guys do, do you guys do other kinds of custom jobs like on cars or bikes? Uh, We can, we really like to stay focused on race cars because that's, you know, what we're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. If you, I think for us, if we take on a lot of like things that aren't in our wheelhouse, it kind of like clogs up our um, like scheduling, but it, you know, I don't know. We're, we're picky because we want to do stuff that we're passionate about. Um, But I mean, yeah, we, we have the ability to pretty much do anything. That's, that's obviously a super (laughs) open-ended answer, but yeah. But so you guys get into like rule cages and um, custom carbon fiber fabrication and things like that? Yeah, so uh, we pretty much don't paint cars. That's it. Um, Okay. We're like a full service uh, race shop where, you know, we can build engines um, or we can, you know, make custom carbon fiber body panels. We can do aerodynamic stuff you know, chassis mounted wings, roll cages, you know, parts install, stuff like that. But, um, you know, most of our projects are, are builds. We rarely have someone come in and just like, Hey, can you put just this thing on? And that's it. Most of our projects are long, long-term where we usually take just like a road going, you know, street car and it leaves here a full blown race car. That's kind of our MO. Have you ever saw a car that was like, gutted or had somebody approach you with it and say like make this into a race car all the time that's pretty (laughs) that's pretty regular for us you know everyone's got their like quirk right like uh you know make a car that they had in high school and they're financially at a point where you know they want to build that dream car i'm actually at that point where i'm i'd love to there's a couple of cars that i'd like to you know, where I'm at now, I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to build. But yeah, I mean, we have people who come with us with like pretty unconventional cars um, Mm -hmm. and that they want to make, you know, their dream race car, or we have, you know, really conventional, like this is exactly what works on a racetrack today. You can go buy this car. We do our thing and, you know, be really competitive. My husband is like driving me crazy with that. He Every time he is home, if he does have a minute to watch TV, he's always watching some kind of show. And he always looks at me and says, you know, I could have a car like that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, if he gets into watching the, like, you know, those car shows where they have, like, the classic cars. I forget what the name of the one is. Oh, yeah. There's there's a. 
It's like a, a really well-known one where they don't even start them up. They just roll them across the floor and like, they're like, oh, the type Mika, of part. what did you yeah. say? Uh, Mika Motto auction or Bear Jackson or something like that. Yeah. Bear Jackson. He like is obsessed with it. And I'm like, they're not even like starting them up. He goes, yeah, this is the kind of car you don't really turn it on too much. You just kind of look at it. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a couple of cars that I like to have just to have. Um, yeah. But I am also, uh, pretty bad about taking perfectly good cars and turning them into race cars perfectly good irreplaceable cars and turning them into race cars but right i like things used you know so for anybody who might be listening and they might have you know this dream of getting into racing and since you've done this what would be like your advice to somebody who Maybe they do have, you know, a car that they know that they could be doing the modifications for. What would be your advice for them to get started? I think it's just that is to get started. I mean, I think a lot of people have these huge aspirations because when we go on the Internet, we see all these absolutely epic builds, right? All of these really, you know, epic race cars. And we're kind of almost conditioned to where, like, unless you have that, you just don't belong at a racetrack or a track day or something like that. And, you know, if you're just you know getting to know me, you go on my Instagram and you see all these like, you know, epic race cars, but like, that's not where I started. You know I mean? I started with like a 92 Honda Civic that I did some track mods to and not a whole lot to it. And I really got familiar with the car without making it this, you know, monster, you know, of a car. I, I really think you should start small, you know, basically look up a, you know, local tracks where you can just go have, you know, fun, you know, with your car and to, you know, make sure I would invest in safety requirements first, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and then uh, just go have fun and build on that as opposed to thinking that you have to start out with this, you know, five-year project or something like that. Mm-hmm. I see a lot where I really enjoy the building of cars, but I also really enjoy like driving them. And there's like that balance, right. That you've got to find where, uh, a lot of people have these big aspirations and they don't ever finish the project just because of just how long it takes. So yeah, my suggestion would be to find a car that maybe you have already or whatever, but you know, something where you can do some safety mods to it, do some suspension work, keep it simple, go to the track and then progress and build and like work on your driving skills, but also work on your, you know, fabrication skills or mechanical skills to like progress the car as opposed to just, you know, this huge build right out the gate. And where are you guys, where is Mount Dora, Florida? Oh, we're in the mountaintops of Florida. <laughs> no, uh, we're, I think it's probably one of the higher elevations of Florida, but it's uh, northwest of Orlando. We're probably about 45 minutes of Orlando, kind of near Claremont, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's just good to know. I feel like there might be like some people who might want to reach out to you. So I know there's going to be definitely other conversations that we can have, and I'll definitely have you guys on the podcast again. But for now, why don't we let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, um, our race shop on, I mean, we mainly kind of focus on Instagram. It's uh, attacking, or it's at attacking the clock racing. Um, And then my personal Instagram is at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, B-26. And I'm really bad about posting. I'm going to try to do some more stuff. But um, Marcus, our social media guy for our race shop, is really good about constantly doing daily updates of projects we're working on or whatever we're welding or 
making out of carbon fiber. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited to have you guys do some videos for us because I definitely know that there's interest there and I'm sure that you have, um, a lot of advice and tips that you can pass on to the weld.com viewers and hopefully, um, get somebody, you know, more inspired to go down that route of racing. Yeah. I mean, I'd really like to, and I'm so thankful you guys have us on as a host for weld.com. I really like to have an angle where it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't have a, I would consider myself a good welder, but I don't have professional, you know, training. I've never been to school for it. It's just, you know, years of just trying to figure it out on my own. And I, yeah. I really want to kind of show you guys, you know, that like, you know, your weekend warriors or guys that want to build race cars or something, whatever it is, you know, kind of like how I got started, my tips and, you know, of, you know, of things that I've learned over the years and stuff like that, that might be, you know, a little bit out of the box or, mm-hmm. you know, just good suggestions overall. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think that's how you learn, right? Whenever you're on the spot and you maybe didn't have the training, but you always learn from your mistakes. For sure. Yeah. I mean, what's the, the old saying is you're not making mistakes, you're just learning. Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think that'd be really good. And I mean, I'd love to be able to show you guys kind of, cause I get that question a lot is like, all right, I want to fabricate race cars. Where do I start? And, um, I think I'm going to be able to show you guys a lot of places to start. I mean, one of the things I get asked a lot is how do you build a roll cage? And I always tell people, you don't start with one. You know what I mean? Like your, your safety or someone else's safety is at stake. You don't pick up a welder and weld a roll cage. That's not what you do first, but you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. You know, if you have an off-road truck, you can build a, you know, two bumper for your truck and a lot of those same practices and fit and fitments and weld techniques are very much in the same of you know, two bumper project and you start honing those skills in and then you understand the safety behind a roll cage, then you start, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see the videos that you guys will be putting out and I look forward to it. Um, We will definitely have you guys back on. I appreciate you being on the podcast and yeah, thank you. And we will see you guys again next week. Cool. Thanks, Jessica. Yep. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply.